smile, let them know you're glad to see them in church. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Great, great group here tonight. Welcome to the campus. Uh, of course, we have Kids Church going on upstairs, so we know they're going to be blessed. And uh, those joining us on live stream, Facebook Live, so glad you've chosen to be a part of the service. We pray that it's a blessing to you tonight. Amen. Um, as we begin to, today, uh, tonight, uh, I'll have you stand and pray here in just a moment. Um, but let me just share a couple of things with you briefly. Uh, if you want to jot these down, file them away in your memory, uh, just a, a couple of things you need to know and make note of. Uh, we've announced it a couple of times already, and I wanted to just give a quick backstory on it tonight. Uh, Monday, this coming Monday, March 27th, is uh, registration for youth camp opens online. I think most of our parents know, I know our students know, but just in case, just to kind of clear that up, there are some perks for registering early. So if you go on in Monday morning and get that taken care of, they, they usually throw in a free t-shirt and some, some other little perks and things here and there. So you want to do that. And then, of course, uh, it saves the, um, you know, the rush at the end. And, and I don't know that they've ever turned anybody away from registration, but sometimes it's a little difficult to get into the dorms. Uh, the public dorms, uh, so you want to um, you want to go ahead and take care of that is the bottom line. And then I'm happy to say you may have seen it on the um, on the screen on the media. Uh, April the second, so not this Sunday, but next is going to be communion service, communion Sunday. And I, I just you know I want you I want everybody to come come prepared for communion that Sunday. I, I love this idea. You know we've done communion before on Easter Sunday itself. Easter of course being the following Sunday, the ninth. But I like the idea of doing it the Sunday before and just walking through what we sometimes call Holy Week uh, and just, just getting into that whole message and story of Easter and then coming back Easter Sunday on the ninth, prepared to worship the resurrected Savior. Amen? Amen. And, and, and you just saw it on the screen, but Easter Sunday is coming very quickly and we're excited about Easter at Grace. There'll be... Uh, some presentation that Sunday, and uh, just looking forward to what God will do. Wow, what an, what an important day in the Christian calendar, Easter Sunday. So looking forward to it. So with that, let's stand together. We're going to invite God's presence into the service tonight. We're going to ask him to just bless everything that's going on. Let's pray for Kids Church going on upstairs as well. Jesus, we enter into your gates with thanksgiving. We enter into your courts with praise. Lord, I am so thankful Lord, to be in the kingdom at such a time as this. I'm thankful to be in your presence tonight, God. And so we just bring our hearts together, our minds, our thoughts together. And Lord, for the next few minutes, we turn our attention to you, turn our attention to the word of God. And I pray, God, you would anoint us tonight to receive your word, to speak your word, anointing Kids Church tonight. Bless our kids. Bless our students, Lord. Anoint tonight everything that's done on the campus in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And I did forget to mention, be in prayer for district conference. That's uh, the Murphys or district conference begins tonight, uh, going through tomorrow and tomorrow night. And then it, of course, ends on Friday night with a statewide youth rally there in Tioga. Pray for the conference. It's always important that we pray for our pastors and our ministers in the district. But this conference is very special. A lot of historic um, talk discussion, and, and then ultimately a vote, uh, I believe tomorrow, um, that 
uh, about the campground and kind of the future of, um, of the development project uh, there. Uh, and so let's just pray that, that we'll be in one mind and one accord and that God will lead and direct our leadership along that line. Very important. Hoping we'll, uh, Pastor will be, uh, he will be back Sunday, hoping he will have some things to present about what all the district has decided to do in terms of campground updates, tabernacle, and all those things. It will be awesome. Awesome to see, awesome to hear, but let's be in prayer for that. Amen. Amen. We're going to turn to the Word of God tonight. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to get them out. It's Bible study. Um, if you don't, of course, it's going to be on the screen for you, so that'll be uh, your, at your pleasure there. Uh, I do want to kind of continue our theme. Um, I, I feel like I mentioned it Sunday, pastors put us on a, a path as God has led him really since the first of the year. A couple of weeks ago launched the We're Coming uh, vision theme. And uh, certainly God did some amazing things Sunday. And uh, we're just going to continue with that tonight. There'll be a little bit of uh, overlap from, from Sunday into tonight and then Hopefully we'll go kind of where God leads us and we'll all leave challenged to do a little bit more, step up and be a little bit better for the kingdom. How many know we all can do a little bit more? We can all go a little higher, push a little further, go, um, go further in the kingdom of God. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, one verse of scripture. Um, Paul writing to Corinth. He says this, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. The regions beyond you. I'd like to speak tonight from the topic beyond all boundaries. And then, of course, hashtag we're coming. We're coming. Ever look at your neighbor and say, we're coming. All right. Just, I'm going to. I may ask you to do that a couple times tonight just to make sure you stay awake with me tonight. Amen. Amen. I once heard uh, the following. It's going to be on the screen for you. I once heard this, uh, this statement or this idea. Uh, it meant so much to me that I wrote it down and I refer to it often. I do. Uh, it's very, very simple but very profound and encouraging. Here it is. When the request is not right, God says no. When the timing is not right, God says slow. When you are not right, and I am not right, God says grow. But when the request is right, the timing is right, and you are right, God says go. That's pretty good, pretty encouraging. Put some things in perspective. At Grace Church, we have entered into a season, I believe, in which the request is right, the timing is right, and I believe more and more of us are getting right in, in terms of, of stepping up and stepping in, growing into what God has called us to contribute individually to the kingdom. And I believe that's why we're beginning to see such amazing, amazing things happen around here. Uh, as we have been experiencing. Again, I, I believe every service, every sermon, everything we do here is of much importance and holds extreme value. But it seems like since the beginning of this year, we have really, really taken off again as uh, pastoral vision has led us. Pastor said last Wednesday, we're already in revival. If we look at it, 
from the right perspective. And I agree with that. I like that. I've embraced that. I hope you have too. Since he said that, I've, I've thought about it numerous times. And I embrace the idea that we are already in revival. You and I, if, if we took a survey here tonight, we would all be at different points on that continuum of no, slow, grow, or go. No question, all of us are at different points there. But I'll just say this, as God develops us, as He does His work in us and through us, we grow and the church grows and the kingdom is advanced. So tonight, with that that thought in mind, that, that idea in mind, I would like to just challenge us a little bit. Here we go beyond all boundaries. I would like to just say this, that sometimes you have to go to grow. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that, that uh, statement just a, a little bit. Sometimes we have to go to grow. God wants us to step out. Amy Poehler said, great people do things before they are ready. Great people, great people do things before they are ready. Sometimes in order to grow, you just have to step out. Sometimes you just got to take that step, make that, make that move, make up in your mind to do what has been in your spirit all along and act upon the calling, the anointing, the burden God has been dealing with you down on the inside. As Nike would have it, just do it. Look at your neighbor, tell him, just do it. All right. All right, you're still, you're still with me, praise God. Paul, in this text, was not satisfied with those he had reached up into that point. Paul, the great apostle, the amazing preacher, the, the great missionary, he was not satisfied with what he had done to present the gospel, to reach people at that point. And he wanted to go even further. He wanted to press on beyond geographical boundaries, to preach in the regions beyond, to, to go even further, to stretch into other countries, other even maybe ethnicities and nationalities and, and races. Uh, he, 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 he saw no boundary for the gospel and wanted to keep, keep moving and keep pushing with the, the message of the gospel. And that's why he says, I would really like to preach the gospel beyond you. I don't want to stay at Corinth. I don't want to stay in... At, at, at one place, I want to move forward and keep reaching more people. But perhaps there is more connotation here than just geographical boundaries. Because note, he says, I want to preach or, and, and talks about speaking to the areas uh, going beyond. Uh, he says, into the regions beyond you. And so I'd like to just take that and say, the regions beyond you that is, beyond yourself, to go in the regions beyond yourself, beyond your self-imposed limitations, beyond what you even thought you were capable of, beyond fear, beyond doubt, beyond shame, anything that would, would impose a boundary or a limit on what you can contribute to the kingdom of God I believe the call to Grace Church and every one of us is to go beyond those boundaries. The regions beyond ourselves, our mentality. Uh, perhaps there's somebody here tonight that just thinks I can't or I, I couldn't or uh, if only you knew or uh, you have no idea. All of those boundaries, the call tonight is to go beyond those limitations, those boundaries. Because here's the truth, here's the reality. 
Working for God will always stretch you beyond your limitations. It will always take you uh, and cause you to, to reach further than what you ever thought you could do. But that's why we have to have faith and trust in God and know that whatever our contribution is, God will take that and do something awesome with it. Um, last year, some point last year, I can't remember exactly when, uh, I had the opportunity to attend the uh, field trip with Dawson and his school to the World, World War II Museum. How many has ever been to the World War II Museum in New Orleans? Yeah, if you haven't been, you should go. Uh, before that trip, it had been, oh, I, I bet it had been 15 years or more since I had been to the World War II Museum. And uh, it, when I had gone, when it first opened, it was just one building. And now, you, you know, you cross the street, there's all kinds of buildings, different wings, different uh, restaurants. It's, it's just a real, it's a great place to go and spend the day and just immerse yourself in that. Well, uh, I was blown away. Just I hadn't seen it in so long, what they'd done with it. But the main attraction, the, the main thing everybody wants to do when they get there is this 4D movie experience. And it's called Beyond All Boundaries. That's what it's called, Beyond All Boundaries. And, and they take about 45 minutes... And as much as it is possible within 45 minutes to compress the entire scope and story of World War II, that's what they do. So you're watching it on this humongous screen, but it's 4D. So the, the, the seats, you know, they rumble with the tanks and you get smoke and you get the, the firefight, you know, and, and the, the, the pyrotechnics and all that stuff. It's really, really cool. But the name of the whole experience and presentation is Beyond All Boundaries. And this is the... Um, this is the idea that they were getting across in that movie, is, is that it, at the onset of World War II, evil, hate, uh, just, you know, the worst of humanity had crawled its way across all borders, all nations, cultural, racial, ethnic boundaries, and was threatening to dominate the entire world uh, prior to World War II. So evil had gone beyond all boundaries. But from the point of view of the United States, uh, the men and women who contributed to the war effort, they also went beyond all boundaries. Quite literally, most of them had never been outside of the United States. They literally went beyond the geographical boundaries. I remember my grandfather telling us, if I remember the story correct, he had never been out of his little small town of Bedford, Indiana. And, and if he had, if I'm wrong about that, and he had been out of the town, I know for sure he had not been out of the state of Indiana. And the next thing you know, he's on a ship, you know, through every port of call, throughout Europe and, and Africa and, and all of that. And so they, they literally went beyond all boundaries. But then beyond that, as, as more of a metaphor, the service that they provided, the heroism that they displayed, to, to, to put their lives on hold, put their lives on the line, taking up arms, learning tactics of war, doing whatever they had to do to preserve freedom and defend liberty. Uh, it, was, it was as if they stepped up and stepped out to do what they had never done before and stretch themselves beyond boundaries of what they may have thought they were capable of. Probably had never envisioned themselves on the battlefield. Probably never, my grandfather probably never envisioned himself on that destroyer out in the Pacific chasing down German subs. 
you know, probably never, never imagined those that flew planes and dropped bombs and all of those things, but they stretched themselves for a cause, stretched themselves for the call of liberty and freedom going beyond all boundaries. And that whole presentation, when it ends, the World War II Museum, uh, it's not real. The way they do it's pretty cool, but it's some sort of hologram or 3D deal. It's like the stage is filled with, with, with human beings, silhouettes of people in their, in their uh, service uniforms. And it's very moving. It's very, very amazing. But you get an idea of the, of the people factor of the war, not just the, the big picture, but the people that served and gave their lives and gave all. Going beyond all boundaries. I remember my grandfather told me, he said, after Pearl Harbor was bombed, the, the draft offices were flooded with, with young men uh, wanting to sign up to go to war. Some of them lied about their age because they were too young to join, but they, they wanted to go so badly uh, to go beyond those boundaries. It's an inspiring story, and it's a true story, but here's the application today, which, is, which of course is not, not real hard to grasp, is that, is that we also are in a war. We're in a war, and, and we, we, we underestimate that at our own expense. We underestimate the, the war that we're in spiritually against evil, against the enemy of our soul. We underestimate that at our own peril. That's why the scripture admonished us to take on the whole armor of God. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And what we are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Sometimes we think, I believe, I think we're, we're lulled into this idea, that false idea that we have a choice as to whether or not we'll engage the battle that we're in. We, we like to think, well, we, you know, on, on a good day we'll engage the enemy and on a bad day we'll just take cover in our bunker, you know. And, um, and I guess at some level that's true. I guess you do have a choice. But if you want to move forward, if you want to grow, if you want to see God do some things in your life and on your behalf, if you want to see your family saved, you're going to have to take up arms against the devil. You have to take up arms against hell. You're going to have to stand uh, against the, the battle uh, that is arrayed against us. Every successful Christian has to make the decision to engage in the battle. And so I say all that to say this. The enemy's job is to resist us. It's to cause us to want to quit or to not even start, uh, to not engage. At every turn, you will be resisted at some level. He'll, he'll try to discourage you with doubt. He'll try to frame you with fear. He'll try to silence you with shame or cancel you with I can't. All those mentalities, those things that rumble through our mind, those oftentimes are those fiery darts of the devil trying to discourage us from doing something really positive and really good for God. Trying to keep us from engaging the battle. But tonight I challenge us all to go beyond the boundaries of ourselves, beyond the boundaries of our own mind, beyond the boundaries of our own understanding, even beyond what we may think that we are capable of. Maybe you don't even know what you can do with God's help. You may not even realize right now tonight what you could be with God's help a year from now, three years from now, five years from now. I like to tell this story, and, uh, and I told it one time years ago, and, uh, and Pastor asked me not to tell it. So since he's not here, 
I'm going to tell it. But, but here's the deal. If I, if I give you the disclaimer, he'll let me off the hook. Here's the disclaimer. What I'm about to share and what I'm about to say, this is not exemplary of how pastor handles people or deals with people. And, and that's, what, that's what bothered him is this is a one-off. This, this is not his pattern. So as I tell the story, you have to remember that, number one, I was 17 years old. Okay, so that has to be factored in. Number two, I'm pastor's nephew, so that kind of put me in a different category. Number three, I had a really bad habit of procrastination. And uh, I've, learned, I've learned to temper that procrastination habit to a large degree. Sometimes it gets the better of me. So this was the thing. Uh, way back in the Baker days, I'm 17 years old. Um, you know, just we're, we're trying to build church, help pastor, do whatever we can. And we had uh, uh, someone that had started attending our church. Looking back now, I understand it was the perfect candidate for a Bible study. This, and, and no one's more important than anybody else. Everyone has value. But if you were going to have a starter Bible study student, this person was it. Like you could, the Bible study, we could sit down and just say, tonight we're going to learn to spell Jesus together. And you, you would already have taught them more than they, than they knew, okay? So this was a good one to start. So pastor got with me and said, hey, let's, uh, Dave, I want you to start home Bible study with this person. I'd never taught a home Bible study before, scared out of my wits, uh, 17, procrastinator. And so I said, yes, sir, and did absolutely nothing about it. He asked me a few weeks later, said, uh, have you started your Bible study? No, not yet, but I will very soon. Uh, no problem, did nothing about it. And so that went on for several weeks, several months. And, uh, and then one day, one day my phone rang. This was before cell phones. The phone rang at the house. And I answered, and it was Pastor. And this is what he said. He said, Dave, I've started your Bible study for you. He said, uh, he said we're going to meet at the church Monday night. I'm going to teach the first one, and you take it after that. And that is how I, I began teaching home Bible study. I was scared to death. I had never taught a Bible study. I didn't think I could teach a Bible study. I, I never thought of myself as a Bible study teacher. But after that, if I can say it this way, I was hooked. I love teaching home Bible study. And, and, and Fair and I, through the years, I, I know we've taught dozens. I've lost count. But at one point in our life, uh, early on, uh, before we had kids, we were probably teaching at least one a week, sometimes two a week on a regular basis. Love teaching home Bible study. But I would have never, the, the point is this, is we don't know what we're capable of. You don't know what you can do until you step out and do it, until you step out and try. Remember, great people do things before they're ready. And so I would just tell you today, don't underestimate what God would have you do. Don't underestimate what's on the other side of that boundary uh, that, that, that you have uh, run up against or that you are facing. Just on the other side of your boundary is that soul winner you want to be. And just on the other side of that boundary is the fulfillment of God-given vision. Just on the other side of that boundary is a successful walk with God, that ministry, that, that effectiveness that you wanted to achieve. But we've got to go beyond ourselves and self-imposed boundaries. And after all, is that not what God did? That's what he did. It really is. Um, you know, all, all religions except Christianity are about man trying to get to God. Man and, men and women trying to get to God. You know, through meditation or transcendence or, 
or any number of things to try to bridge the gap to get to God. But what we know is true is that God said, I'm going to cross the boundary and I'm going to go to where humanity is. He was not intimidated by carnality and by sin and all of the boundaries that kept us uh, from him. Of course, he came, wrapped himself in flesh, dwelt among us, Jesus Christ. So if God can come to us, transcending all boundaries, how much more are we equipped and empowered with his spirit to go above and beyond any boundaries that we need to cross to be what God has for us to be. If God is for us, nothing can stand and no one can stand against us. Now, going beyond all boundaries can be a very scary thing. It's like, you know, those, those, guys, those men and women in World War II, that wasn't easy. I'm not telling you that their bravery didn't come at a cost or a price, that they just, you know, that they were going on a field trip. You know, it, it's a scary place to be to cross over into the unknown. I agree with the man that said, I'm not scared of the dark. I'm just scared of what's in the dark. That's what really, uh, that's what really gets me. The Hunt Lennox globe is the third oldest globe known to exist. The Hunt Lennox globe. I'm talking about a globe like a, the world. It's the oldest known I'm sorry, it's the third oldest globe known to exist. It dates from about the year 1510. <clears throat> Not much is known about the globe prior to 1850. 1850 is when a man named Richard Hunt purchased it at a flea market in Paris. So this guy, Richard Hunt, purchased the globe at a flea market. It dates from 1510. He bought it in 1850. Took it home with him. Sometime in the 1860s, a rare book dealer named James Lennox, went and visited Hunt at his house and noticed that Hunt's children were playing ball with the globe, rolling it around the house, kicking it, throwing it, playing catch, 1510. Once he got a hold of it, or he, it caught his eye. He, he knew it was something. He got a hold of it, examined it, and realized, get this, it is the oldest known terrestrial globe to depict the Americas. The oldest known terrestrial globe to depict the Americas. He, got, he, he, got, he took possession of it, got a hold of it. Subsequently, uh, it, he donated it to the uh, uh, Linux Library, which is now part of the New York Public Library. So here's a picture of it, if it's not up there already. The globe's, as I said, they don't know much about it. The globe's creator is unknown. What they do know, of course, is that it's made of a hollow, that's a hollow copper shell. And what's interesting is it is engraved, all that you see there is engravings in that copper at almost, it says, a microscopic detail. It is notable for something else. It is notable as one of only two ancient globes to actually use this phrase, and you didn't know I could speak Latin, but here it goes, hic sunt draconis. I had to look that up, but it sounded good. Hic sunt draconis. Here there be dragons. You ever heard that phrase? Here there be dragons. It's only two, two globes uh, that, that are known that have that phrase. It's somewhat of an anachronism now, uh, but this globe and the other one use the phrase to warn of the danger of dragons or sea monsters. 
that were thought to exist way out in the uncharted waters, out beyond the boundaries that were thought to exist. Here there be dragons. It just meant that if you plan to go out into those regions, you should tread with care, you should sail with care. For those who entered those waters invited danger of the worst kind. Here there be dragons was a label placed upon a dangerous or unknown territory at a time where world travel was not known like it is now. And even at that point, entire regions of the world lie undiscovered. And so, of course, it, it served as a deterrent for a lot of people. People that maybe had the bright idea that we'll go sailing and go exploring. That here there be dragons uh, label uh, deterred them from doing that. But as we know through history, there were those that were willing to challenge that. Someone was, uh, there were those that were willing to challenge those dangers, those dragons, those waters. And it wasn't long before people started wondering, what if they did sail a little further? What if they did go into waters a little deeper? What if they did overcome the draconis, the dragons, and discover new lands? And they did. And the rest, of course, is history. So here's the takeaway. Don't let the map makers define your boundaries. Don't accept someone else's impression of what may or may not be lurking in the deep. You got to slay the dragon, slay the dragon, but do whatever it takes to go beyond all boundaries for yourself. That's what Ezekiel did. That's what Ezekiel did. The prophet, Ezekiel chapter 47, he found that as he progressed and as he challenged and, and was led, he found himself in what the Bible calls waters to swim in. That's where he found himself. It's kind of like this. So, uh, did, did you ever, as a kid, go swimming in, a, uh, in an in-ground pool? I remember uh, one of my uncles had this, this terrific in-ground pool. We'd go every summer and swim. And, it, of course, it had that concrete uh, uh, lining. And so you, you got, you know, that, that was a danger. That was worse than the dragons right there. That was a danger in and of itself. But, but we loved it. And um, do you know how those pools, they would... They, they just kind of gradually slope from shallow to deep, right? And his, his pool, if I'm not mistaken, Steve, went to 12 feet, didn't it? I believe so. I believe it was pretty deep on that deep end. And, um, and so what you'd do is you'd ease down the steps, right, into the pool. And, uh, and, then, and then you would just kind of start challenging. You would see how far, how far you could walk, right? So you're walking, walking, and you feel it. it it's declining, right? You feel it. Feel it, and the water's rising. And you know you get to that point. There's that, I guess we just call it the tipping point, where you're like on your tiptoe like this, and the water's, you know, and you're like, I'm touching, I'm touching, I'm touching. And right there you have a choice to make. You can kind of push back with that one toe and get back in the shallow water. Or you can push forward. And, and if you were, if, if, when I did that, the times we did that, then, so you, once you push forward, that's it. You've committed, right? But you get your eyes on that far ledge at the, at the other end of the pool. You know it's 12 feet under you, so you got to swim. Now you're in, and you just get your eyes on that, on that edge, and you're swimming for all you are. Sometimes you just kind of dog paddle, get over there. But you're challenging the deep end. That's waters to swim in. That's waters to swim in. And that's where Ezekiel found himself. 
And, and if I could just use that, that tonight for our, our metaphor here tonight, sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta keep challenging it, just keep walking, and then just push out into the deep, launch out into the deep, waters to swim in. So this was Ezekiel's story. Uh, he would, um, he, uh, he had a vision, he had a vision of this river, this mighty river, really represented the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of God coming uh, from the tabernacle. It was a house, but it's understood to be the tabernacle in metaphor. And these waters came from the right side of the house, issued eastward, uh, and the origin was the south side of the altar. And Ezekiel traces the river. This is Ezekiel 47, if you want to reference it later. An angel of the Lord leads Ezekiel progressively through deeper and deeper and deeper water. So this was his this was his experience. First of all, he started out in that ankle deep water. That's like going down the steps into the shallow end. So he's like, his, you know, his ankles are covered. And, uh, and, he, uh, and the angel has led him that far. So he's got that much going. He's at least in the water, right? He's, he's, he's at least making a step. He's at least moving towards the objective. But I found the problem with ankle deep water. Uh, when we were real little kids, one time my grandfather took us walking in like a creek, uh, a very shallow creek up in southern Indiana. And the problem with it was the, the reason the creek was so clear and so, so uh, refreshing is that the bottom was just stones and rocks. And it, the water rolling, over, you know, running over that is what made it so clear. So when you're walking, we didn't have all kinds of fancy hiking equipment and stuff like that. We just were barefooted walking. Well, you're walking on stones, and, 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 and it's, it's not comfortable. It was difficult, and it kind of ruined an otherwise very pleasant experience. So you don't want to stay in ankle-deep water. It's not the best. It's in the water, but you don't want to stay there very long. Next, so, so, so Ezekiel follows the angel, and next he finds he's in water up to his knees. And so here he's making progress, but he's not even halfway there. So he keeps going. The angel's leading. Now he's up to water waist level and here uh, he's experiencing what we could we could just draw a quick uh, just a quick lesson from um, there's more of him submerged so that so so God's got more of him surrendered but it's still not all the way surrendered if I could say it that way but he keeps following the angel keep following the angel and he finds himself in waters to swim in so he's in over his head now he's in that he's in that deep end. he's pushed off of the pool the bottom of the pool and now he's it's sink or swim he's got to go and so this is where we all want to be this is where I wish we could all come in terms of our commitment to the kingdom calling that's invested in each of us to find ourselves in over our head truly in over our head because Ezekiel didn't find dragons there what he found was the power of God working through him through the power of the Holy Ghost that was within him. So um, I would just say that in those waters to swim in, the beauty of it is, is that we have to depend on God. It's not our own ability once we get there. Yeah, we step out. Yeah, we surrender. Yeah, we say, I'm willing. I'll go. I'll do it. But, but then when you feel like you're over your head, just know that it's God that will take it from there. God that will empower you. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And so I think the point of Ezekiel's story is that it's progress. It's a progression. Um, we, should, we should all be on that process, that progression. Just keep going. Just keep swimming. 
just keep swimming. So um, the limitations then that prevent us from doing that, what keeps us from going out into the regions beyond? What keeps us from challenging the dragons? What keeps us safe in the shallow end instead of going out into the deep end? Well, there's as many things as there are people here tonight, probably more, because some of us probably have more than one boundary or one thing limiting us. So we'll just group them all together, just at, at the term I've been using, just self-imposed limitations, uh, boundaries that we've created, whether they're mental or, 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 or something the enemy has lied to us about, whatever it is, whatever, get in your mind, what's limiting you, what's holding you back? Whatever it is, we'll just group it into a generality tonight. It's like they are like the jar or the fleas in the jar. You've heard the story. You've all heard this probably. The jumping fleas in the jar. As long as there's no lid on the jar, the fleas will jump out of the jar every time. The jumping fleas will jump out of the jar every time. If you put a lid on the jar, they'll jump and they'll hit against that lid. Until after a while, they get tired of hitting against the lid and they just stop jumping altogether. Then when you take the lid off, and they, they kind of see the light or the air or whatever. They start jumping again, but they will not go past the level of that lid. They won't go any further than that. They won't jump out of the jar because they have come up against a barrier. They've come up against a boundary. And even when that boundary is removed, they find it very difficult to go past it. That's what limitations do. That's what boundaries do. And I, again, I would submit most are self, self-imposed. And if they're not self-imposed, they're imposed by the enemy which is kind of the same thing because we buy into his lies and his, uh, his, his uh, discouragement. And so that's what they do. So I ask you tonight, what's keeping you from going beyond? Whatever it is, that's what's keeping you in the box. But if we can remove those, if we can go beyond those, that is where we'll be productive for God. Years ago, if I could reference again the, the Baker Church and my experience there, um, years ago, a uh, pastor, I've, I've already talked a little bit about it, but he took on the very special project of developing Brother Merrill Murphy and me in ministry. And I'd, I'd love to tell you it's because we were so talented and exuding with potential. And, you know, you just take one look at us and see that we had a bright future ahead of us. But the truth was is that he, it was actually just that he didn't have anybody else. And, and Brother Merrill and I were breathing, so we were pretty good candidates for the task. I'm, I'm kidding, but, but we had a long way to go. And Pastor took us on uh, to develop us in ministry. And, uh, and, and here, there's a point to this story. <laughs> Let me get where I'm going here. Uh, and, and so he would tell us, you can teach a Bible study. And uh, he would tell us, you, you know, I'm going to put you up there and you're going to lead service. And I can remember leading service, you know, hands shaking, voice quivering, like, what, you know, what in the world do I say? What do I do? You know, why, how, why am I even up here? I don't know, you know, just scared to death. But this is what he said, and I told you that to tell you this. This is what he, he just drilled in us and he burned in us. He said, he said, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And, and that's, that, that's, the, that's the mentality. That's the idea that will help us step out beyond. That's the, 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 the understanding we need to have to go beyond the boundaries. To go into the deep waters is to know that, that I don't have to have it 
have a, have a resume. I don't, I don't have to necessarily have a whole lot of experience. God will qualify me if he's called me. I remember going with Brother Merrill. Sometimes I'd go with him to his Bible study. Sometimes he'd come with me to my Bible study just for moral support, just to, to say, you know, hey, I'm your safety net. I'm your security blanket. But we got there. We did it. We got through it and, and, and learned the, the, the power and the idea that God does not call the qualified. He, call, he qualifies the call. Well, I realize that this is actually a very biblical principle. It's very much rooted in Scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Look at this. God, talking about God who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling. And here it is. Not according to your works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given in Christ Jesus before the world began. Not according to your ability. God doesn't call you based on your ability. Not according to your works or your resume. He doesn't call you based on that. He calls you based on his own purpose and grace and equips you, empowers you to do it. God has a grand purpose for our church, but he has a purpose for every one of our lives specifically. And it's not based on giftings or talent. It's just based on our willingness to go beyond all boundaries. So I'm closing tonight. Um, and I would just say this. I agree with the person who said the comfort zone is nothing but the graveyard for your dreams and ideas. The comfort zone is nothing but the graveyard for your dreams and ideas. God, God, Grace Church, all of us collectively and each of us individually, God is calling us to go beyond, to stretch and to do more than we've ever done. And especially students, I want you to, to hear tonight, you're at a place, many of you, where it's time to act now and to take action on what God is wanting you to do. Last scripture, Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. We talk about that scripture in terms of answered prayer and praying big prayers, and we should, and it does apply. But think about it in terms of being empowered and equipped to do something for God. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Whatever mentality we're struggling with. Whatever self-imposed uh, thinking we're dealing with. He can go beyond that according to the power that works through us. So students, when you're called on, as Pastor said, just say yes. And know that God is equipping you. Grace Church family... When you have an opportunity, you feel something God's dealing, you, dealing with you, just say yes. Just do it knowing that the power of God is equipping you to go beyond all boundaries. Let's pray together tonight. Jesus, I thank you for your word. It's always challenging. It's, it's for good reason, God, that it's called the mirror of the word. Lord, and we see so clearly, Lord, that you have called us to be so much, do so much for you. God, empower us tonight. Equip us tonight. Lord, we're on the, just right here in the, in the middle of great things and on the verge of even greater things. And I just pray that your word would, would equip us to, to step out and to do those things. Lord, I pray for uh, district conference tonight, for Brother Weber and the leadership, all of our pastors and ministers in the district. Do great things there on the campground. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. God bless you tonight. We will see you on Sunday. Thank you for being in the house of God on a Wednesday night. Uh, be blessed in Jesus' name.